on deck, Ben. <laughs> I said deck. <laughs> I actually woke up with both hands on the mast and semen everywhere. <laughs> Why don't you go and wash your hands while I introduce the show? <laughs> no, mate, just uh, do it the old... Ugh. A yucky welcome to everybody. This is our Good Movie Monday, the weekly podcast dedicated to nerdy cinematic ramblings. Thanks for joining us. My name is Glenn Cochran, and over there, I guess, the original seaman himself, Mr. Trigger Happy, Ben Helwig. How are you? I've uh, I've sent more more men to their death on my chest than uh, <laughs> than the entire. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> it's so ridiculously offensive. Oh, whatever no podcast platform so you're, you're listening to us on today, uh, we'd <laughs> we'd love you I'm to sorry. consider the Newsly app. I just hope Newsly's not listening because this is not the best endorsement. <laughs> But they are a fantastic platform who, who support what we do and we appreciate them. So keep listening and you'll find out how you can score an entire month of free premium service. Of course, you can also follow us on all of the other social media too. And you can find links to all of those directly from our website, which is goodmoviemonday.com. What's news with you this week, mate? Oh, you know, like we went, we went to see John Wick. We did go to see John Wick. Are we at the point in time that we're allowed to talk about it? I don't know if the embargo is lifted. Oh, well, let's not talk about the food. Let's just talk about the experience. Okay, the experience. lots of pizza. There was there was a lot of pizza. We got a we got a coin, so now we can uh, stop in at the Continental and uh, and get a room for the night. I was about to hold up my coin. It's right here, but I realised this is a podcast and not a vodcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, save that shit for up late with Chloe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You think I'd learn by now? But no, it was a, it was a great little screening too because um. For, for people that aren't aware, some of these media screenings take place at big event, you know, like Crown, some of them take place at Jam Factory. This one was at a little sort of private cinema called Backlot, um, which is a fantastic little venue. And it was actually, I found it very odd. Usually they let, they let us, mm. the critics, in with the great unwashed slash influences. <laughs> but this time for John Wick, we got the little private screening at Backlot. And I keep seeing on the internet that uh, a lot of other people, they got the... The Jam Factory experience. Or yeah, two in a row for me. I also yeah. got the same experience at the uh, Super Mario Brothers screening. Oh. And that was very nice indeed. Gold class. Anybody? <laughs> I didn't even know that was on. I was. I did not get an invite. To no, I, I would have taken right. you along with me, but it was one of those really strictly, you know, one only and don't tell anyone. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, we've got a fun show coming up for you today. Uh at least I hope we do. <laughs> that depends. So you, haven't told, you, haven't, you haven't mentioned what you've been up to. I mean, I know we we went to John Wick together. Yeah, and and Super Mario for me. That's about and it. You, I've had a very Mario, yeah, right. very intensive busy week, and uh, I'm still have in there. Um, have you have you set up your uh, the other discs in the shelves in your new house? They certainly are, my friend. Uh, that's what I've been doing this week, and all I've got left to do is the kids section. So. And yes, people, I have sections. <laughs> the kids section is yet to be done, but by the time you're back in the studio with me, they'll be they'll be in place, mate. Do you have like when when at the video store we always had the cult slash art house section, and that was really just code for stuff that we couldn't decide what other section it was should go. Oh in. yeah, 
Miscellaneous. Miscellaneous, yeah. Yeah, totally. But it just looked better than miscellaneous. We did have um we did have a section in, in the particular stores I worked in that uh changed every month. So we had a Christopher Lambert section, a Steven Seagal section. Always the same section, but we just uh we rotated. Yeah. Oh that's yeah, yeah. we always had this the in the cult section we got to choose and mm. you just randomly go, you know what? I think I'm gonna have a <laughs> uh you know, a movies directed by Jonathan Frakes section. <laughs> Clock stoppers for the win, my friend. <laughs> yeah, and you just you'd wait and see if any customers picked it up. They never did. Like, what? How obscure could you get? <laughs> well, we call it curated, don't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so some people have staff picks. We just didn't. We didn't announce it as staff picks. We just. Uh, and then it was always fun because we would, like me or, or or this other guy Anthony, we would do those sections, and then Helen, the owner, on her day, she would just come and go no, and just take it all down and put up you know, more popular titles. And then when we came in, we were like, well, I've got some work to do today. <laughs> well, you know what? Speaking of video stores, our special guest on this episode is Sarah Spillane, whose new movie will never make it to video stores and is in fact on the platform that killed video stores. <laughs> her movie is True Spirit. It is currently on Netflix. And um, yeah, we're going to have a chat with her in a little bit. <laughs> I saw you react to that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was in my head. I was the the Buggles uh, video killed the radio star was uh, oh. was uh, playing, but I couldn't. I should have started with that opening song. I wasn't quick enough to uh, turn it into uh, Netflix killed the video star to actually say it. Oh <laughs> uh, well, um, we can re-record it if you want. <laughs> let's no. That's <laughs> we also have the weekly segments from Bonehead Weekly coming up uh, the podcast from America, Kentucky to be exact, with their Bonehead Weekly fun size. It was actually um, Joe's birthday this week. It was. Well, we can wish him a happy birthday when it comes to the bonehead segment. Or we can do it now. Sure. We've already done it. Yeah. All right. We'll just leave it. <laughs> <laughs> and in a moment, we will be um, we'll be dragging in uh, Jarrett Garn from Monster Pictures uh, to discuss what's coming out on physical media this week. Um, before we push on, though, Ben, two trailers dropped this week. And I'm wondering if you watched them. Actually, last week on Friday... Um, two shark movies. So we've got Big Shark, which is the <laughs> the follow up movie to The Room by Tommy Wiseau. It's a direct sequel, I believe. <laughs> and The Black Demon, which is uh... Shark. You're driving me crazy. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, hi, Shark. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take credit for that. Um, Black Demon's the other one, which looks like a cross between Meg and um, what's the Dagon. Deep Blue Sea? Yeah, that too. I was gonna say Meg and Dagon. Well, like at the start when they get to the town. Yeah, yeah, like, totally, the... totally. What do you reckon? Is it, are we back into shark mode? Yeah, look, I, I can't, well, like I couldn't help but when watching these two trailers, I was like, aren't we over this already? Like, isn't uh, isn't uh, there something more than just size? Like, can't we remake Tintoria or something? Other creatures, other creatures. Although Brian Usner did try that with Amphibious and that was a hot mess, <laughs> sloppy mess. But, you know, look, I, I, admittedly, um, Black Demon does look a lot better than uh, Big Shark. Oh, absolutely. It's directed by the guy that did Rambo Last Blood and Get the Gringo. Big Shark is. Wow. <laughs> Black Demon. <laughs> I, I find it curious. Like, the trailer is so odd because it starts with all that boxing stuff. Mm. And then... For no for no reason, like it doesn't seem to be an important part of the plot at all. And then then there's then there's the very the quick snaps of the shark attacking things, but the the longer ones <laughs> are the shark like you know 
chasing someone through a gated, like through a backyard fence and stuff like Just that. Just flopping his way along the footpath. <laughs> but then I had to, I had to freeze the trailer, pause it. There is the 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 shark does somehow manage to crash through the roof of the boxing gym, <laughs> and uh, and uh, attack at least one of the boxes. <laughs> So you know it does have that going for it. The most curious thing I found about the trailer is the uh, the very end title on the screen. If you go down to the bottom, it says "All Rights Reserved 2019 to 2022." Yeah, right. <laughs> so, but then, so so now it's it's uh it's uh, free for all. <laughs> free for all, yeah. Anyway, uh, so, so in other words, yes, you have seen those trailers. <laughs> yes. Yes. Every single week you hear me talk about Newsly, and I mean it sincerely, it's the place that we would prefer you to listen to Good Movie Monday and Wednesday up late. Go to newsly.me, download it onto your phone, it's a super app, and it's amazing. It has all of the podcasts you could possibly want, including ours, and it takes all of the news from around the world and it curates it to your liking as well. So whether you're into sports, you're into film, you might be into literature, you might be into politics, religion, whatever it is, Newsly takes articles from around the world, over 80 different countries, whatever is trending at any given time, puts it all into your app. And the best part about that is, if you haven't got time to read, you might be driving, you might be concentrating on other things, Newsly can read it all back to you in a natural human voice. It's fantastic. It's a free app, but... They do have a premium service and we can get you a free month of that. So all you got to do is use our code Monday without the O. So M-N-D-A-Y, put that code in, get a free month premium subscription. You don't even need to tell them we sent you, they'll know. <laughs> so if you, if you support what we do, then give us a hand by getting the Newsly app onto your phone now. Hey Ben, the um the PE in PE class means physical entertainment. I just thought I'd put that out there because there's probably so many people wondering what the fuck's PE class even all about. But here to tell physical... us all about it is Jarrett. I thought it was physical and en- physical education, like an education about the physical. It's true, <laughs> and I am here to rehash some traumatic memories you might have had from high school, all those sick notes you wrote, or all that time <laughs> you took in. Uh, I don't know, your wag school because you didn't want to be in the locker room with the other lads. Well, welcome back to PE class, gents. None of that makes any sense. (laughs) (laughs) No, I was just throwing you off. No, physical media, uh, you know, not necessarily dying, just, uh, you know, just not as much out there as there used to be once upon a time. Such a somber note for such, this is the segment that we're championing. (laughs) Well, actually, look. It's been a quiet couple of weeks on home entertainment, you know, if you've listened to the last few weeks. But this week is a bit of a banger because we've not only got some tentpole releases from a major studio, but we've actually got some premium releases coming from, you know, the boutique labels as well. Mm-hmm. So I might as well kick off with the boutique labels because that's really the most exciting aspect of this week's releases. And the one I'm really excited about is Adrian Lin's Jacob's Ladder that's coming out by Imprint. It's it is a remarkable addition. Not only does it port all of the archival special features from the previous Lionsgate release in the United States, but it's got a ton of new content as well. We've got like, you know, audio commentaries with uh, a film historian. We've got visual essays. We've even got a locations featurette that goes back and checks out the locations now, uh, along with how they looked in the film. Uh, I can't even recall how much stuff but here it is mm-hmm. yeah uh, but do you remember Jarrett briefly do you remember briefly Jarrett when uh, i was working on that uh, title for yeah. umbrella before uh, 
imprint before it was snatched up by imprint. I know, and I was get, I was going to do an audio commentary for it, but however, we were this do a time, commentary and I had lined up the the writer of the film, an interview with ah, the writer. Ah, yes. And, well, well. Funnily enough, I think he, the screenwriter, is actually featured in the new it? special features on this. So you probably did the legwork for them, which is great. <laughs> but, yeah, unfortunately, Mike White of the Projection Booth podcast ended up getting the audio commentary for this bad boy. But you know, <laughs> of all commentaries you want to do, that's a good one. Oh, it'd be so good. I mean, admittedly, this film is is re- remarkable, irrespective of who directed it. It's fantastic. But the fact mm. that it was directed by Adrian Lin, too, mm. is terrific. Because it's a bit against type for Adrian Lin, known mostly for the, you know, softcore erotic thrillers. Yeah, like <laughs> Fatal Attraction, Indecent Proposal, oh, all I mean, great movies. He's the drama there, version of Paul Verhoeven. <laughs> there, is yeah, some totally. sexy, there is some sexy stuff in it. Who's the, oh, yeah, who's definitely. the girlfriend in no, well, uh, you put me on the spot there. Um, uh, Elizabeth Pena? Is it Elizabeth Pena? Oh, it is Elizabeth Pena. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I it is. There's, yeah. Some, there's some sexy stuff with her, but it's not the kind of sexy stuff you want to see. I think it's a bit awkward. <laughs> the whole movie's yeah, about nightmares. Like, like, come on. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's sexy stuff. I feel like it's a pretty good companion piece to, like, Hellbound Hellraiser 2 for some reason. I'm not sure if it's just association because when I saw that movie, you know, it was around the same period, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. But anyway, it's a fantastic release, and since we've got video, I can actually <laughs> physically show you if you're watching the video at a later yeah. point. Um, but it's Ooh. a nice release, as always, from Imprint. But yeah, loaded with special features. Well, I mean, the archival stuff alone is terrific. You've got an audio commentary with Adrian Lynn, deleted scenes, trailers, teasers. Uh, it's all there. But there's some other good stuff coming from them this week. They've got House of the Spirits, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, Return to Paradise, Little Buddha and Georgia with Jennifer Jason Lee all coming out on Blu-ray. Little Buddha, I mean, it's it's Keanu month. Like, everything's Keanu yeah, right now. Yeah, true, true, true. And, and I mean, move... it, this guy's yeah. like a relic in Hollywood. Like, you think about he's, he's on top of his game right now doing John Wick, and yet Little Buddha, I remember when it was a big deal that he was in that. And that's, what, yeah, 30, yeah, 30 years ago? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it, it's Keanu Reeves is kind of like a strange cat because he's kind of the, you know... Bad films can't sort of touch him or ruin his career at this point in time. Because, like, Matrix, what was it? Matrix Resurrections? You know, I don't think I heard a kind word about that. Didn't do well at the box office. Yeah, and then we had, what was another one? Oh, the Bill and Ted, the Bill third and Ted Bill and Ted movie, film, 13. very average. I must be the Dick only person Ronan that loved that. Was a bit of a uh, was, What was the last one there, Ben? 13 Ronan. 37. Oh, yeah. 37 yeah, Ronan. They're, 30, they're doing 37. You suck <laughs> in a row. <laughs> They're doing another one of those. I read though. Legendary Pictures are doing another one. So I don't know. Maybe it was popular maybe. in some territory. Yeah. And I believe it's theatrical. It's not even direct to home entertainment. So go figure. I don't know if Keanu Reeves will return for it. He may be too busy rehashing another franchise uh, film that possibly won't do so well at the box office, but won't touch the fact he'll come back for John Wick Five. Haven't seen John Wick 4, lads, so I don't know. But I assume he's going to make it in the end of that one because, you know, why why, why would you end it now? Aren't they doing uh, My Own Private Idaho 2 Electric Boogaloo? <laughs> yeah. yeah, who are they going to get That's... in place of River Phoenix? I guess you could, could have, like, Alex Winter could return back to acting. and Just and throw Joaquin in there. Yeah, get oh, that's, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, too. He could grow the beard out and wear the sunglasses again. Just as yeah. long as Casey Affleck's not involved, I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> but moving on to the majors, there's some big stuff coming out from the majors this week. The highlight for me is the Whitney Houston biopic, 
I want to dance with somebody. I actually saw this theatrically and I really enjoyed it. It's a bit soft around the edges, but it's got great production value. I couldn't stand value. it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I really, I just enjoyed it. I went and saw it with my father-in-law and my wife on Boxing Day. And I turned to my wife and I said, oh, you know, I'm surprised there's, there's as many men here as there are uh, <laughs> women. And she goes, yes, but I think you're the only man here that has a full head of hair. And I looked around and I, oh, that's I felt like I felt like the writers were given 48 hours to, to write the movie. So they went straight to Wikipedia and boom. <laughs> and did it. It, it, it had a certain lifetime quality about it with, with production value, might I say. But the thing I did really like about it, unlike, say, Bohemian Rats, uh, Rhapsody and the Elton John one, Rocket Man, is they actually did the full songs as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they maybe did that in the Elton John one, but it was just such a blur of mm. fantasy and Might I add, Might I add, and Ben's going to agree with me, I'm sure, you haven't seen a, a biopic until you've seen the Celine Dion one. It's called Eileen. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Wow, that is a must that. It is outrageous. And it's compelling, like all oh, fuck. The director played played the main lead actor. It's supposed to be Celine Dion, but her name's Aline. And uh, right. but no, but when they go to her teenage self, they've like deep faked her, and so oh, like it's an, an wow. adult head on a child body. That sounds that sounds that gives me memories of like Junior when they took Arnold Schwarzenegger's yeah, totally, head and put totally. it on a baby's body. Totally. Oh, and wow. it's the, thing okay. that's, the thing that's so weird about it too is because it's all about her having this, like she was underage when she started having this relationship with her much, much older manager. But <laughs> the impact is totally brunted by the fact that she looks older than him even though she's <laughs> in a little girl's body. <laughs> Whoa. Okay, that's strange. I've got it to see strange. that. It's so good. How yeah. old is this movie? This is the first I've heard of it. Like two years, three years? Old? Yeah, like last year or the year before. Mm. Wow, okay, yeah, right. And it was a director streaming sort of thing? or At Theatrical in Europe and Canada, because I think oh, it's a Canadian course. film. Um, here, who set it up for us? I can't remember, but yeah. It was, well, it was a net, but I yeah. don't think it was uh, a Studio yeah, Canal but... film. Or no. Rialto was one of those oh, other. Yes, one of those. <laughs> anyway, sorry, just to Interesting. Hijack. Well, there you go. But anyway, I want to dance with somebody. Blu-ray and DVD, which is good news. Another one that's hitting home entertainment this week that got a theatrical, I think it actually came out on the 1st of Jan on New Year's Day, is A Man Called Otto, the Tom Hanks version of the best-selling novel of, I think it was called A Man Called Ove or something like that. Which was the, a, like, German like a Swedish one. Or, or German, Swedish, yeah. Swedish novel, and then, then yeah. And then done... There you go, yeah. Now they've, they've <laughs> done another adaptation. Haven't seen it, and I mean, I know they're trying to get Tom Hanks to play against type with it, but I saw the trailer and it just looked like, it looked lame to me because you just More had Tom him Hanks. play Mr. Rogers and now you've got him playing this other, this surly neighbour, but not quite a Clint Eastwood, and I don't know, I just was like, this... Actually, it looks like it might be a pretty good plane movie if you want to get some slow. The only thing yeah. I want to see Tom Hanks in these days is another comedy like he did in the 80s. Oh, my God. Yeah, bring him back for, like, Splash 3. Like, let's <laughs> let's acknowledge that Splash 2 happened. No, absolutely. And let's just bring do, a third instalment. They need to remake Buford's Beach House Bunnies, but he plays he plays his brother's part. That was a Jim Hanks. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. That Jim Hanks totally. classic. And, and maybe they could do a version of Big, but instead he wishes like he was an elderly gent, well, and so well, then they can the just Rayleigh age him he's up. The, he's the not Rayleigh Otter, the um. Well, God, I hope not. He's the what's his, <laughs> the, the guy who plays the boss. Uh, who's why is his name? Uh, oh, I know who you mean. Um, from Innocent Prey, Innocent Blood, sorry. Innocent Blood, yeah, and and Lost Highway. Um, and, 
Yeah, Robert. Logia. Robert Logia. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No, yeah. but I think what they should do though is a, a biopic or, or a behind-the-scenes movie of the Buzz Lightyear cartoon, and Tom Hanks can play Jim Hanks. Oh, see, there you go. <laughs> that would be terrific. Actually, see, I just hope. Why haven't really they gone us in the Tom Parker spin-off movie? What what about a feature version of Bosom Buddies like but now? <laughs> that would be I don't great. Know. I'm actually yeah. I mean look, I haven't seen a, um, a man called Otto. I'm looking forward to it. Although it does look like for the entire You're movie, looking you're doing... looking forward to it so much that it came out in cinemas <laughs> I, yeah. three months ago. You didn't see it. It's probably been on premium VOD forty five days after that, and you're so excited you're just like I'll be rushing down to the nearest physical media retailer to snap up a copy of that. Yeah, you're waiting probably... for it. To, you're waiting for it to end up on Amazon Prime. Yeah, I was going to say, by <laughs> excited, I mean, yeah. And I'm then you're going to watch it maybe. God knows hey, how many. He's years. He's going to wait for the next Melbourne Film Fair. <laughs> I feel. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm comfortable with you knowing that much about my viewing habits. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your password. I want to add things to your queue. <laughs> It'll what, show up what, at Savers eventually. What yeah. excites me about it is that I think he's doing a Walter Matthau impression. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. right. that to me would, is is fascinating. But you, I got, I got really got all I needed from watching the trailer. I probably <laughs> yeah, don't need totally. to watch the rest of the. Film. Well, you've just named Tom uh, Tom Hanks' career trajectory from here. He is going to start doing the Walter Matthau roles. We could see him playing the next door neighbor in the next adaptation of Dennis the Menace, and so forth. Maybe they could get yeah. Chet Hanks to play Dennis the Menace. Then it would be really <laughs> meta and funny. I mean, Bosom Buddies isn't that um, far removed from uh, The Odd Couple. The Odd Couple, yeah, yeah. you're right. We're out to sea. <laughs> <laughs> was that, oh no, Gone Fishing was Joe Pesci and Danny Glover. Oh mate, let's talk about that sometime. Whole what, episode. what a cracker. Well, I'm waiting. <laughs> it's it's trapped in the, the Disney catalogue, so I'm waiting for a 4K announcement for that one now. I, I, it, was, it was a recommendation yeah. on the show last year, I think. Oh, excellent, excellent. Classic, down classic. <laughs> now, another two releases are coming out from a major this week, both animated affairs, neither of which actually interest me, but I'll share with the listeners out there because there might be some people who are looking to entertain their kids and haven't seen these already. Lyle Lyle Crocodile, yep. and then uh, Puss in Boots, uh, whatever that one's called. I don't know. Well, Lyle Lyle Crocodile, um, I think you might get a kick out of this one it doesn't look that great but it's based on a really popular series of books from the 70s right, and right. apparently this is like an american take or americans trying to do a paddington type of thing and i've heard it's got a lot of charm to it so i'm actually it doesn't have it. it doesn't have james corden doing any voices does it oh god i hope not yeah because he, he's pretty much he the kiss of death on most things these days i find <laughs> yeah. if you ever stumble onto youtube and go down the the rabbit hole of hate for uh, James Corden, uh, you know, it's it's an interesting thing. But yeah, he's got such a punchable face. And then the last <laughs> release I want to mention this week is an Australian film that's coming out through Roadshow, Blueback. Yes. And that's coming, and they're given it a Blu-ray and DVD release, which is terrific because obviously they did the Blu-ray release for Seriously Red not all that long ago. So it's good to see them actually doing releases like Blu-ray releases of local films because God knows no one overseas is probably going to do it unless it's a, you know, cultish genre title and gets picked up by a boutique label and released down the track but i haven't seen this one and i actually really do want to see it. it's a bit of an all-star cast in it and i i did you did either of you guys catch this one during its theatrical run no to be honest i thought it was a movie about a gay guy who'd been edging all day and then 
and then finally gets a his his boyfriend comes home and he finally gets to blue back him. Right. Well, they, yeah, they, they far the, out. The whale rider. Yeah. Whale rider of Australian cinema. Sperm whale. <laughs> yes, whale rider. Sperm whale rider. There you go. We. Why aren't we just like green lighting these movies? Some studio needs to get us. We've got the bosom buddies feature film. We've got sperm whale whale rider. The list is endless, but that's all that's coming out on Home Entertainment this week, and I don't mean oh. by all, because that's a whole ton of releases, except there's some stuff that's probably coming out on DVD, but we need not talk about that. Look, if you can't be bothered releasing a Blu-ray, I can't be bothered talking about it, <laughs> unless it's something that we're directly involved in. And yeah, unless case, it's Sniper. Absolutely well, screw the shit out of it. Of course, gonna, yeah, because that kind of... <laughs> I was going to say, like, I've mentioned it, I think I've mentioned it every week since we've been back. Is it the Burt Reynolds box set? Yeah, it, people, have been, people have been getting them. They've been arrived... Yes. So it's I've been, kind of coming out this week. I've I've seen it popping up. I think I think you were right. There is a bit of a holdback with JB. It might be it might be the next week or the week yes. after. I know it's early to mid April that it's definitely happening. But I have seen them turning up in people's feeds, and it, oh man, it looks fantastic. I can't wait to get a copy. I've been I'm, super I'm hanging. I've, I've been really enjoying all the comments of people going, "Hey, where's the book? It says it's got a book. Where's the book?" And it's de mine definitely doesn't have a book. A umbrella addressing the black of book. What's going on with the book? And then and he, under every one of them, after you know, ten minutes later, I found it. It's in one of the cases. Oh, is that what the? I did see people yeah. saying that because yeah, people were the, messaging um, people. Yeah, I saw yeah, that. it's in the I best know. little whorehouse. Um, but like, who yeah. doesn't explore it before you go posting? Yeah. Oh, it's it's totally it. I remember when I worked in retail that we'd have customers come back that had left something sealed, convinced that it didn't have the second disc. Like it doesn't say anything about the two discs. It's supposed to be two discs. <laughs> and then they, and you're like, yeah, it's in there. It just doesn't say two discs. And then you're like, did you want to open it now? And they'd open it. And it's like the best gratification you can get is like someone opening it. Oh yeah, so it is. Okay, I'll take that. But then they say, but I wanted yeah. a sealed copy. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally, totally. Yeah, tough titties. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's it, gentlemen. Cool. So uh, I'll be back next week to tell you what's coming out, and I might actually have some more news because I, I believe that the Superman 4K, Superman 2 through 4, may have been pushed back into May. I haven't seen a formal announcement about it locally, but overseas the box set's been pushed by a month, so I'm oh. kind of thinking that yeah. might be the same case here. Oh, well, we'll wait and see, but, mate, until next week, thank you, mate. Absolute pleasure. See you, gentlemen. Bye. Well, hey Ben, now that now that we've gotten Jared out of the room, uh, we can we can have some fun again. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to do that uh, that drag out that digital spinny wheel thing that we do and and um, blow the dust off that and, and have some fun with a random conversation that that the wheel decides upon. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right, let's click that button. She's a spinning. We should have Sugar Babes music uh, to push the button so <laughs> while it spins. Woo! Okay, there we go. Quality redneck movies. <laughs> redneck movies? Do you watch... Um... Hang on, hang on. Quality redneck movies. Oh. Uh, do you watch... <laughs> uh, did you watch... Um... Oh. What was that name of that? The, the TV series with uh, Jason Bateman. Oh, The Ozarks? The Ozarks. Did yeah, you watch yeah. the Ozarks? I watched some of it. My wife plowed through it. But there's a, there's there are there are a couple of characters there, and apparently there is a difference between a redneck and a hillbilly. Oh yeah, yeah, there is. 
And I still, I, even after watching that show and they explain it, I still don't really know what it is. Well, so. you know, you know, in your mind, like let's let's make it the Aussie version. So you know what a hillbilly is, right? Like the the buck tooth fucking inbred, inbred type, the and deliverance type. Yeah, and then you've got the bogan. Like the, there's like that's the difference in Australia. It's the same kind uh, of difference over there. So. So I wouldn't be, we wouldn't then discuss Hills Have Eyes because that's a... Let's just, let's just not split hairs. Let's just fucking whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so like, I I mean, obviously Ozarks is an interesting one, um, but Deliverance obviously comes to mind. That's the go-to for most people when they think of redneck movies. Uh, uh, I'd even what, say Roadhouse. Roadhouse, I think, is the ultimate redneck <laughs> movie it's the ultimate everything yeah let's why why talk about anything else now that we can just talk about road are you excited about the remake of roadhouse i am yeah me too look it's it's something that it should it should terrify me (laughs) but i'm quietly hopeful that it's going to be awesome well what i'm gathering from what i've seen of it it's by name only and it's its own story so they've they've shown us the footage of Jake Gyllenhaal doing the the MMA and oh I haven't seen that yeah so he went into a real MMA ring at a real tournament and they filmed like this climax fight or whatever and everyone in the the stadium thought it was a real fight and it was played out like a real fight and he was incredible and and it was only after the fact that was revealed to the audience that no you actually just watched the movie being made similar to what Jimmy Fallon did in that um, Pitch Perfect with um Drew Barrymore where they went out onto the, the the baseball field. Oh, yeah, right. And didn't yeah. tell anyone. Anyway, so the fact that he's an MMA fighter, that in and of itself, like Patrick Swayze was never a fighter of any kind. Well, he was he was just he was the best cooler in the business. <laughs> well, not not according to him, Dalton. Is he Dalton? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Sam the Sam Elliott character was the best cooler in the business, but yeah. you know. You know by the the order of the cast in the credits that really it's uh <laughs> it it was uh a thing of that was best I just I just hope Jake Gyllenhaal has has genes like that. I just hope that uh uh what's it you know um Kelly Lynch gets her tits out again. <laughs> that the, what what so 2000, this, 2023 Kelly? Kelly McGillis. Just so that the Murray brothers can keep calling up her husband uh whenever they see the film to tell him about it. <laughs> All right, Which so is always the joke. Wait, always wait, the joke about the first one. No, but the other, the other quality redneck movie, I, I think, is a redneck movie. Yep. Uh, that may be worth talking about is Blue Ruin, which I, you know I think is a is a tragically underseen masterpiece. I haven't seen it. <laughs> You've never seen it. It's, it's tragically the same underseen. Guy Green Room. It's it's that Jeremy Jeremy Saunier. Oh no, maybe I Green have Room. seen this. Maybe I have seen this. The the title and didn't this, do it. Yeah. It's a like it's the it's a tale of revenge, hmm. um, and it's that uh, I can't remember the, the name of the lead actor in it, but he's in he's the kind of one of the flunkies in Green Room. He's not the lead, but he's one of the flunkies oh, in I it. I reckon I might have seen it. I'm one of the red laces, just not sticking. Okay, cool. Well, he gets his red lace, but Blue Ruin, yeah. Jesus, so, it's, a, it's a powerful film. It is so good. The other one that, that came to my mind while you were talking then, so like if I wasn't paying that much attention, it's because I was thinking of other titles. Uh, Smoking <laughs> the Bandit has to be up there. Yeah. Classic. But hey, what about um Joe Dirt? Yeah, what a classic. Classic. Yeah. And Joe Dirt 
Who did it too? Not my sister. Not my sister. Not my sister. You're not my sister. So good. Um, would would you class Texas Chainsaw Massacre as a redneck movie? I think it is. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. I mean, I would. I would. I would also include Southern Comfort. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Deliverance and yeah. uh, Gummo. <laughs> yeah, all of those like Martha, Martha Girl, kind of. I guess they're just you know. Yeah, but then you got you got movies like you know Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which I guess is Savannah, but it feels like it's a kind of a. It does. It's the accents. Uh, I mean, we've got the know. Bonehead Weekly segment on it our really show. Like it's southern, <laughs> really, it's just it's very biased against people from the south of America. Mm. So just because of the accents, and you kind of think, yeah. But you know, the the one that I was thinking of, the one that immediately popped into my into my head when when the it landed on the thing, and then I forgot forgot about it after we were talking about Hills Have Eyes, <laughs> is um, Fire Down Below, the Steven Seagal movie, <laughs> yeah. where he's the the EPA undercover EPA agent in in Appalachia. That's right, Appalachians, and he's like, there's like these the great <laughs> one of the great flunky villains is like. Yeah, for some reason, don't talk to much. You had harder here. So much great dialogue, and Harry Dean Stanton is in it, and Mark Helgenberger, and uh, it's a it's a young, a young um, uh, what's his name? Um, Stephen Lang. Yeah, he plays Mark Helgenberger's brother, and he's got black. He's got he's like he hasn't gone grey yet, so he's almost unrecognizable. And Chris Christopherson, I think, is the main bad and guy. And didn't Steven Seagal direct that? It's oh, that's very possible. Oh, to the Google machine, (laughs) I think he might have. Anyway, um, it's funny when you were doing that voice a minute ago, you almost sounded like that guy that played Juice Bigelow's dad when he was in Joe Dirt, and he's saying like, "Homo's way naked." Yeah, and Joe Dirt's like, "I get it, dude. You want to see Homo's naked?" (laughs) He's like, "Homo's way naked." No, that was basically that was my um, that was my Blade? Uh, sling blade uh, voice. <laughs> Ain't got no gas in it. But it was, but it was to be honest. To be fair, it was more uh, uh, sling the the sling blade swingers parody, where he's uh, I like that you him dancing. Uh huh. And it's, there's a great bit where he's uh, you know in in swingers um, John Favreau is it a whole, that's montage sequence where he's leaving um. I think Brooke Langdon a message on the answering machine, <laughs> and then they do the parody of the Sling Blade one, and he's just like, uh, "I'd like to get you some bottled meat." <laughs> and then and there's there's one where he's just uh, beep. He doesn't even get a he doesn't even get a word out. So good. Go look so, that up on uh, YouTube if you if you haven't seen it. I feel so sorry for our listeners who don't get to see you while you do that. Me do that <laughs> doing my impression of Swing Swing Blade. That's what it was called.
So anybody that has paid attention to the show over the last, I guess, few years might recall I've been talking quite a bit about a movie called Around the Block. It's an Aussie movie with Christina Ritchie, um, one of those, I guess, stand and deliver, dangerous minds type of movies. Every time you talk about it, I think of the, the uh, I think it's the main theme song from DC Cab. <laughs> Maybe it's just with one of the songs, which is called, it's Around the Block. Yeah, yeah. And I used to have it on cassette tape and I listened to it in my car every day. <laughs> Well, this movie was all set in the, the suburb of Redfern in Sydney, but the director was Sarah Spillane, and she's got a brand new movie coming out called True Spirit. In fact, it's already out, um, and it's doing big things on Netflix, and the song we just played is called Home by Doton, which is from the soundtrack to this movie. So the movie itself is the true story of Jessica Watson, the 16 or 17-year-old. It's, it's based on the true story. Based on the true story of Jessica Watson, the 16 or 17-year-old who circumnavigated around the globe in a yacht. And I'm sure if you're an Aussie, you would remember when this happened, made headlines all around the world. And anyway, so we recently reached out to Sarah for a conversation and she happily obliged. So here it is. And it's, it's, an, it's a fun little chat and she's an awesome chick. So enjoy and we'll, we'll catch you on the other side. Hi, I'm Jess. Welcome to my video vlog. Traditionally, sailors keep log books, but you can't deprive me of screen time for half a year. <laughs> 
I'm planning on being the youngest person to sail around the world non-stop and unassisted. You're the captain. Got it? You should be okay. That boat is a shockingly tiny thing to send a child to sea in. They are waiting for her to fail. She cannot come lumping back in. Red sky at night, sailors delight. Red sky in the morning, sailors warning. Well, thank you for joining us. Welcome to Good Movie Monday, Sarah. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Um, well, I mean, we appreciate it because you are so very busy uh, these days by the looks of it. Um, and you do a lot of things. Um, I want to just sort of give people a little bit of a um, an idea of, of who you are. Um, you've made two features now. You've done a graphic novel, uh, I believe a comic book series. And just to um, just to name the, scratch the surface, I should say, what lit the bug? You know, where, where, where did you get this sort of love for cinema and how young was it when you knew you wanted to do it? Um, I was very young, actually, probably one of these kind of uh, crazy kids that knew at such a young age what I wanted to do um, that I was probably a bit of an outcast for, for it because I was six years old. So I, wow. um, I yeah, I remember watching E.T. when I was six and my, my dad is actually a, a philosophy professor and he had told me to choose what I love best in the world and and then make that my job. So then I'll never have to work a day in my life. And um, I did exactly that at six years old. And I, I saw ET and I just, I remember being so moved as a six year old and, you know, just really um, blown away by the, the magic and the, the emotion. And um, yeah, it just, it, I got the bug at six and then, um, I ended up starting acting classes um, when I was probably 11 or 12 because it was the only way that I could get access to a set to really understand um, what a director did and, and how the, the filmmaking process kind of um, operated. So I became an actor. I managed to land a role on an Aussie TV show for a couple of years and um and that's why I really learned, you know, the the operations of a set and and um, the filmmaking process. It's amazing how ET is such a, a common denominator amongst a lot of people. Like it's the first film I saw at the cinemas. I've interviewed people who have said that's the movie that got them interested. So it's, yeah, it's, I am, it's a, I am curious on. though. If you saw ET when you were six, how old were you when you got to have your first Reese's piece? because <laughs> i was like it took me like i wasn't like, i didn't get to have one until i was like 25 it was worth the wait but it was a long yeah time. i i think i would have been you know our family <laughs> went on a, a holiday our first kind of you know family trip to america and i, I think i might have hit some up there but um so that was probably 11 or something but um yeah no i'm i'm with you it, it, you know it's interesting because i as a as such a young kid, I think, uh, especially as uh, being a young girl, I think a lot of young girls my age probably really related to Drew Barrymore. Um, but for some reason, I knew that that I wanted to, you know, make people feel the way that I felt, um, you know, by telling the stories behind the scenes, as opposed to, um, you know, I'm sure the movie has also inspired a few actors as well. Mm. Uh, so, but yeah, it is, it really is an interesting kind of turning point for a lot of people, I think. And now let's just come all the way to now, which is, you know, the reason we're talking to you. Your, your new film is True Spirit. It's all over Netflix. How did this project find you? Did you find it or did someone bring it to you? Um, I was actually approached by Jessica's management. Um, in fact, one of our producers 
whose name is Andrew Fraser, is also Jessica's manager. And they saw uh, my my last Australian film, Around the Block, um, that, that had premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival. And I think they sort of got word um, that they should come and check out uh, Around the Block when we had our Australian premiere. And so... However, that happened. They ended up at the um, at the Aussie premiere. Um, Andrew and his business partner Shahen, who's an executive producer on True Spirit, um, and they they seemed to like it. And it was, you know, of course, around the block was a, a much smaller budget. It didn't have the same visual effects requirements as True Spirit. Um, but we we met up after they introduced themselves. We met up, um, and they told me about the project and at the time there had been I think an adaptation done of Jessica's book which became a kind of blueprint you know it really sort of tracked the chronology of her journey Um, but they were looking for a a filmmaker a director to come on and you know and introduce some uh, more sort of story layers and I guess figure out how to how to tell this story so it's not one girl on a boat for 210 days and (laughs) so that's that's uh (laughs) that was my challenge it was it was uh, definitely not a uh, a slam dunk for me because you know it. If someone presents you with that story, it is not necessarily uh, come across as being the most cinematic story when you're talking about one person on the ocean uh, by themselves for such a long period of time. But the more time I then spent with Jessica and got to know her as a person, and then was able to reflect on her story, her journey, and also why and how it affected so many people around the world. Um, I think that's when I really understood how deeply spiritual and philosophical this story was and therefore, you know, why it deserves to be told. I mean, yeah. And and when it comes to telling the story and it's beloved by many, as you said, around the world, do you feel a personal obligation to tell it accurately? Like how difficult is it to decide what aspects need to be abandoned or sort of changed for cinematic purpose? Um, I think what was important to me is that I captured the the key points to her journey. Um, you know, and so I, I stayed as true as I possibly could um, in, in terms of Jessica's circumnavigation of the globe. Um, where I was able to take a little bit of cinematic license is how to propel that story forward. And so, you know, I created a, a character that is an amalgamation of several characters uh, who supported her on her journey. Um, and that that's the the mentor character who's played by the incredible Cliff Curtis, yeah. uh, the New Zealand actor. And he, you know, so like I say, he was becomes her mentor in the story and there were several people who, supported Jess and were somewhat mentors to Jess and to be honest he's also highly influenced that character by my own mentor uh, which who's Jack Thompson Australian actor Mm. Um, and so you know I was able to take some cinematic license there to to build that relationship um, that I was able to cut to you know cut back and forth uh, in between flashbacks that again it helped propel the story forward by giving us as the audience an insight into how she got there in the first place. Um, and then to a certain degree, the same with the family. You know, I I met all of Jessica's family, uh, I think all of them, uh, certainly mum and dad and, um, and <laughs> one or two of the siblings. And so, you know, and again, I was sort of, instead of portraying exactly who every character is today, 
you know, I was able to really find the essence of what they went through during Jessica's journey um, and create their own individual arcs and, and storylines. And so, you know, I, I guess what I'm saying is there's a little bit of cinematic license, um, but I certainly wanted to stay true to the key points in terms of um, the pivotal moments in the circumnavigation. And were they, were they like, you know, happy with those licenses that you did have to take? They, I'm, I'm assuming they understood the, the reason for it. Yeah, I, I have to say, Jessica was just such a joy to work with. She really was. I mean, she's she's so incredibly humble. She's so um, just an incredible human being. Um, I think what she accomplished at such a young age is is extraordinary. But, you know, the way she has taken that in her stride and continued to push herself year after year, you know, whether it's um, overcoming dyslexia, um, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone actually overcomes dyslexia, but uh, not allowing it to inhibit her her other interests, such as writing. You know, she's published mm. two books since then. And so working with Jessica was fantastic. She certainly understood. Um, it's almost like she she had such a respect for what I do that, that you know, of course, she wanted to have a little bit, bit of import in terms of making sure that I, I got certain sailing aspects right. Um but in terms of the drama of the story, she she really put a trust in in me and the team and and allowed us to run with it. And same same with the family. You know, to be honest, I didn't have as much contact with them. But I think Jessica was a great middle person there as well. Just saying, it's okay. <laughs> I trust yeah. that you should. <laughs> <laughs> I think the like the the really impressive thing about the film. I mean, just really blew me away that's why i contacted you because i watched it and i'm like i want to talk to this filmmaker so much of it you know is set on the open water and to pull the curtain back a bit for the average viewer most of it was shot in water tanks with you know hydraulics and all that kind of stuff how technically prepared were you going into the film like did you have your head around all of the technical aspects before making it and how you would do it yeah i mean i i had a lot of pre-production on this film uh, for a couple of reasons. One, because we had a couple of false starts in terms of getting this set up and financed. Um, but also, you know, it it is an ambitious project. It's not a cheap movie to make. Um, and so once we had partnered up with Netflix, you know, I had to continuously reassure them um, that I knew what I was doing. And so, <laughs> you know, I, I was, um, I started off with, you know, very dodgy storyboards, you know, like sketching them myself, working with a, you know, good friend of mine who can kind of draw. And then, you know, those storyboards, I'd then work with an actual storyboard artist and make, you know, take them up to the next level. You know, I then worked with a fantastic, um, in fact, a guy who was a production assistant for us. Uh, his name is Elliot. And, and he had a great understanding of um, premiere and different sort of editing software. So we animated the storyboards um, and then it went to, for some of the more complicated sequences, um, a previous company to, you know, to actually do a, a complete animation. Um, so that, you know, that process, I certainly haven't done on other projects. Um, you know, I've made, directed a lot of commercials as well as documentaries and the feature that you mentioned. And so I've, I've never had to go to that extent um, but you know, it, it makes sense. There was also a lot of different setups in order for us to be able to accomplish these shots. You mentioned the water tank. Um, but we also had a, a dry gimbal, which was this enormous, um, uh, replica of, of the boat that was on a, 
this huge gimbal in the car park at Village Roadshow Studios. So, you know, no water at all. Because if, you, if you're trying to replicate the choppy oceans, <laughs> a water tank doesn't really help you because, yep. you know, you can get a certain amount of wave, you know, rocking in there through, through the wave machines, but you're never going to get, you know, the kind of um, 10 foot plus waves that that we, we encountered several times in our story. And so you may as well just shoot uh, dry because you're going to have to replace the entire ocean wave. So, you know, but that was, you know, that set was amazing because it was like a, a gigantic ride in a fun park or something. You know, it was <laughs> yeah. Hydraulics and there's some um, really great videos on online. I think you've put some on your your social media. There's some great image, you know, behind the scenes stuff of that in process, and it's just incredible. Particularly when you got that wave tank splashing water over the top of it. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah, the dump (laughs) tanks. They were awesome. I was, uh, I had, I I really enjoyed working with the special effects guys uh, on the Gold Coast, Brian Cox and his team, because um, I think. You know, I think there's certain um, preconceived ideas of female action directors. And, you know, so they would sort of present, um, okay, this is how we're going to do it. And I'd just be like, more dump tanks, like more. (laughs) Let's just keep going, like drench her. And they were like, okay, we're with you. (laughs) Awesome. And and the film is like, it's kind of exploded. It's it's done really well performance-wise. I've noticed people going nuts for it online is has there been a different reaction around the world like to aussie audiences compared with you know uk or american audiences um you know i i think one of the biggest surprises for for all of us involved is how well it's doing internationally it's um you know we we always hoped that it would resonate in australia obviously you know being an australian story and jessica um being a you know such an iconic figure within australia um, but I certainly didn't expect the response, um, that we're getting around the world. It was, you know, it was number two in the world, uh, a week after it was released and it's, it's stayed in the top 10 since. So yeah, that to me has, has been a very pleasant surprise. And I, you know, I, I get hit up on social media by, um, by people, you know, really touching messages all around the world from people, um, you know, sharing their story or thanking thanking me for capturing, you know, what it's like to have no wind, metaphorically speaking, of yeah, course, yeah. you know, people experiencing, I think, I think timing-wise coming out of COVID, I think a lot of people really connected with some of those themes of isolation and, um, you know, what do you do when when um, the wind's taken out of your sails, so to speak. And um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been really lovely and a, and a very, very pleasant surprise. Has it, what, what has it meant for you professionally? Like, are you suddenly getting emails from, you know, people in the industry that you never thought you would? Has it opened doors for you? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's Hollywood's so weird. It's like, I'm, I'm getting hit up and offered to do a lot of people's true stories. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just, that's a kind of given and a lot of, a lot of water movies. Um, but, but yes, I, you know, there are some people who I deeply admire in this industry um, Philip Noyce is one of them, you know, he's, uh, a director that I have always respected and looked up to so much. He's a bit of a personal hero of mine. Uh, my favorite, my favorite filmmaking book of all time is Philip Noyce's book. I think from Backroads to Hollywood, that's an incredible book. I, I totally agree. You know, years and years ago I was at, um, he, I think it was like, maybe it was a book launch or something he did. It was the old Glebe theater. Um, and I was, I was sitting in the audience and I, I don't know, I, I don't know how old I was, I was but I was 
um, very, very young. And um, yeah, I kind of, I mean, his, his honesty about Hollywood is, is really eye-opening. It was very scary. It was very frightening at the time. But, you know, I think if you, if you, if you have this passion and you love it so much, it's, it's pretty hard to be um, turned off for good. <laughs> Absolutely. If I can, before we let you go, if I can digress and sort of backtrack a little bit to Around the Block, you, you mentioned that earlier on. Um, I'm yep. a big fan of that film. Ben can attest. I, I talk about it on our show quite a bit. Um, how on earth did you wrangle such a high profile actress as Christina Ritchie for such an intrinsically Aussie kind of story? You know, we just, we did it the the kind of conventional way, which is um, reached out to, she was always at the top of my list. Um, I think she's such an interesting actress and she's she makes very brave choices in terms of the roles that she plays. Um, you know, as a director, I think, especially with indie films where you have a lot of say, you know, in the casting, um, you, you do in studio films as well, but you, you know, you have a lot of people that you also have to, um, uh, consult with whereas indie films which around the block certainly was one you know it, was, it really comes down to the the director and um and so Christina was was at the top of my list and I just we got the script I, I was working with a, a casting director here Rich Memento um and we got the script to her agents they responded positively so they passed it on to Christina and then they set up a meeting with the two of us this is obviously long before COVID when everyone used to meet in person. And so we sat down and, and had a conversation and, you know, we, we have a lot in common ideologically in terms of, you know, our views on the world. And so I think she really understood the themes of it. Um, we talked a lot about her character and, you know, respect for Christina and, and actors like her is that she's also not, um, she wasn't afraid to, you know, play next to maybe even second to a an unknown Indigenous actor. And I, you know, I just have so much praise and respect for actors like that, that are, mm -hmm. you know, that have, that are a meaningful, you know, name in the industry, because it's just, you know, it, it doesn't happen all the time. And you, if you have a script like that, it can be very hard to cast because people don't want to play second to, mm. you know, an unknown actor. So yeah, I, I had a great experience with Christina and I, um, you know, we're still in contact today and she's, you know, Amazing. Amazing. Well, I hope that people that have watched and enjoyed True Spirit go back and check out Around the Block, because even though you won awards for it, I just kind of feel like it's a bit of a, an undiscovered gem for a lot of people still. So uh, yeah, I wanted to give that a bit of mention on this uh, chat, but um, we're not going to keep you much longer. I promise that if we do chat again, I'll let Ben get, get some questions in. <laughs> <laughs> I just figured I was here for my good looks. Yep, you were, mate. <laughs> Yeah, you always and you always deliver. <laughs> but I, got, no, I got I got to talk about Reese's pieces. I can't complain. Well, that's right. I, mean, I I bring you here for the food chat. We know yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Stay tuned for the next mukbang video with Ben. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Sarah. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I do love the film, and um, as as once again, as, as Ben will attest, I've been talking about it. Wanted to get you on just to have a bit of a chat, and I uh, really appreciate it. Oh, thanks, guys. It's really great to be here, and and great to chat to you both too. Welcome to Bonehead Weekly Fun Size, and we're revisiting an old topic. And by old topic, we mean James, because he's old. Athlete films. Now, James, are we doing athlete's foot films? What are we doing here? Because we've talked about sports in the movie picture several times. Well, I thought it was about time. That's where, you, that's where you lost me. 
Uh, well, that's yeah. Well, you, I know you're not into that. I know you think it's a pagan ritual, but I thought is. we probably need to do talk about films that are athlete films, but you know, not maybe maybe not a major athletic event. For instance, I was thinking, you know, a film nobody talks about anymore, and I mean nobody. Matter of fact, most people don't remember it exists. That would be the classic Disney film, The World's Greatest Athlete, about. The World's Greatest Athlete, starring Tim Conaway and Jan Michael Vincent. The movie is about Jan Nanu Michael Vincent. Vincent. How many Jan Michael Vincents do we need? However many it takes. Anyway, it's about a quote-unquote boy wonder in the world of athletes named Nanu. Uh, the coach is a failing coach. He's never been successful. He happens to be on an African safari, which is evidently what failing coaches do, at least according to this film. And discovers in Africa the world's greatest athlete, which Jan Michael Vincent. He discovers him on safari, brings him back, and it might just be that he'll eventually have a winning streak and not continue to be a losing coach. And that's the plot to the film. Not many people talk about that film. To be honest, I haven't seen it on television in a long time. There you go. It's a non-traditional athletics film, The World's Greatest Athlete by Walt Disney. Oh, man, the movie I'm going to talk about, I will freely admit is terrible uh there are so many we could do i could do like i i don't want to revisit one we did on a previous episode check out our podcast so i'm going to talk about this one again the sixth man uh kadeem hardison and marlon waynes directed by randall miller so it is about oh, no uh, i got it confused what's the other one with the other <laughs> i was thinking of juana man i've interviewed the story yeah. Juana man no we're not talking about juana man that is a classic compared to the sixth man so the sixth man it's about two brothers who play on an ncaa team one of the brothers passes away by the way i want to talk about the this this where he actually dies for in a weird film it is one of the most heartbreaking scenes in movie history I'm dead serious. It is a heartbreaking scene. I still, I have cried watching this scene because they did really good. And, but the whole other part of the movie's bad. And it's about him as a ghost coming back to help his brother uh, and his team uh, win the, uh, win ba basketball games uh, as a ghost. Also where this movie made the mistake of is they actually put same thing as space jam. You don't put real athletes in movies uh, unless they're vetted. They put a uh, NCAA basketball player, Travis Ford, as an actor in this movie, he really should have just stuck to his uh, basketball career. Uh, it, he, they do not do a good job, people. The Sixth Man. Joe. Well, I'm going to actually talk about a movie that I love because I think there, there's two. Kurt Russell is one of the best actors of all time, actually. I, Kurt Russell is one of those people that Joe, I, I... Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, Joe. You know Kurt Russell's not actually in Celtic Pride, right? Oh, That was my second pick. So he's one of the best actors of all time. And he's also a movie star. To be quite honest, I don't know shit about hockey, but him in Miracles is is, is probably one of his top three performances. He plays an actual real-life guy named Herb Brooks, who was a player-turned-coach, who, because no one wanted a job, ended up with a job, and he led the 1980 U.S. Olympic uh, team to victory over the Invincible Soviet Union. And at the time in 1980, you know, we wanted to beat the Soviets in everything, right? Specifically in Rocky three or four, James, you're the Rocky person. It's Rocky four, by the way. I think Kurt Russell's two best performances. There's, man, it's tough, but is that and then the terrible movie Soldier? What do you guys think? Miracle and Soldier. Yeah, I mean those are up there. I don't get me wrong. There's a slew of them. There is a slew, I, and the really fun ones usually take place in John Carpenter films. However. 
as far oh, as God. being somebody completely different from his own self, I think those two, and I like Miracle, and it's a fun movie, and it's it's a great performance for Kurt Russell that wraps it all together in that horrible, horrible hair that he has in it. Thank this God is, he didn't mention Captain Ron. I like Captain Ron. This and is you hate and you hate drop dead Fred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can dumb you heard it sense. here, folks. Yeah, heard it here, folks. This has been Bonehead Weekly Funsies. Oh no, I said it. The Bonehead Weekly podcast, people. It is essentially that <laughs> boneheads. <laughs> but the Bonehead Weekly podcast is what you just heard in long form, and uh, you should uh, check that out if you get a kick of those guys. Find them wherever you get podcasts from and, and watch them on YouTube. They've got faces and you can look at them. Um, but Ben, we're at that point of the show where we recommend a movie each. So people get ready to take some mental notes. Um, I'm going to go first. Um, and this is a movie I think you love. and At least you should. Uh, <laughs> let's go for it. It's a movie that flew under most people's radars at the time. It came along in the early days of Nickelodeon movies from the year 2000 is it holes it's ready to rumble oh well i did enjoy this movie but it's been so long since i've seen it yes that uh, i don't remember much about now, it now the thing is i chose this movie having not seen it since i reckon at least 2005 like it was new released the last time i watched it. yeah right well i used to watch it quite a lot back in uh, vhs days and hadn't watched it since and so i was going to come to this this uh, conversation having not seen it in that long, but the other night I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I need to watch it. Like it was on my mind so much. And so I, I found it's on, uh, was it on, it's on YouTube. It's on Apple. I just paid four bucks to watch it. So glad I did. I'm so glad I did. I just love this movie and it is a worthy recommendation. It is about two dudes. Um, This is uh, David Arquette and Scott Kahn, by the way. And Oliver Platt is in there for good measure. Um, but Arquette and Khan play two sort of two dudes, two buddies that go on a quest, if you will, to help redeem the um the career of their favorite wrestler, who was the champion wrestler of the world until um he got fucked over by a manager and um lost his title. And these the two as old as time. These two loved him so much that they took it upon themselves to help redeem this guy's career. But the movie itself plays out much more like a, a Harold and Kumar style of bro movie. Uh, so it is them on the road, them doing dim-witted things. Also, what comes to mind is like, dude, where's my car? That kind of thing. Um, but it's just so loaded with comedy. And if you love wrestling, you're going to get heaps out of it. If you don't like wrestling, it doesn't matter um, because it's just a good road trip movie. It's got some great cameos. By the way, the manager that, that fucks Oliver Platt over is played by Joey Pants. Uh, and there's a scene where he's got corn rolls and that's hilarious to me. <laughs> <laughs> straight out of, straight out of, uh, straight out of Peter Berg in uh, the great white hype. Totally. Oh, the great white hype. That's the one that was, I was trying to think of what's that other movie that was wrestling at the time. Was that Samuel L. Jackson? Samuel L. Jackson yes. and, and Peter Berg before so, he became a big budget uh, special effects movie director. That's right. Uh, Martin Landau has a bit in this as well. Uh, Di- uh, Diamond Dallas Page is the, uh, the wrestler that, that knocks the crown off. But this is also notable for being John Cena's first appearance in a, in a film, albeit not much of an appearance. He's like in the background of a locker room, but he's in it. Is he uh, huge? uh, Huge. Yeah. He was the kind of John Cena we know from the wrestling days pretty much. Right. 
And this one was actually directed by Brian Robbins. And the the reason that's important is because he's now the CEO of Nickelodeon Films. So yeah, right. he's the guy that made Varsity Blues, Good Burger, Hardball with Keanu Reeves. Keanu's coming up all the time at the moment. Hardball. That's the one with Diane Lane, isn't it? The baseball movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, is Diane Lane? Not as good no. as... I don't think, I think Diane... Is she in it? I thought she was in the one with Kevin Costner for Love of the Game. No, that's... um. Kelly Preston. Oh, it is too. You're probably right. You can look that up while I talk. Um, uh, so Brian Robbins made all those sort of movies and he went on just to become the CEO of Nickelodeon, which um, is great. Like, I love these Nickelodeon movies. They've got a real flavor. They've got a stamp on them. And Red to Rubble is the one that everyone forgot. So look it up, people. Like I said, it's on YouTube and uh, I think Apple. A couple of bucks. You ever want to just throw your phone through a window? <laughs> You're looking it up, are you? Uh, yeah, I'm trying to... It was a good movie, though. I remember not... Uh, <laughs> it is Diane Lane. I remember not liking it. I really wanted it to be... Um, um, the Replacements. <laughs> the Replacements. And it, it, was, it, was a, it was a bit more serious than that. How the hell did I know that's where you were going? Yeah. I don't know. I, I do want to know where does it stand? Where does Ready to Rumble stand in the canon of great wrestling movies like Bad Boys, uh, hmm. Bad Guys, sorry, Grunt, Body well, Slam. Uh, what was the, the doco across the mat or whatever it is? The one with Matt Foley? Yeah. Uh, Beyond the Mat? Beyond the Mat. Well, here's and the, then yeah. the, the, the one about um, Faith. Faith? Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the Fighting uh, My Family. Fighting with Fighting My, my family. family, yeah. yeah. That that's a good one. I think this and that are the the, the pinnacles are for the me. best too. I but, really I really like bad guys for me. Okay, that was Adam Baldwin in his prime. Yeah. But I think the other thing I I didn't mention and just you you reminded me for some reason is that David Arquette entered the pro wrestling uh, scene when this yeah, movie came out. It began yeah. almost like promo for this movie, and then he became an actual pro wrestler. And there's a documentary yeah. all about that as well. But I didn't realize it was ready to rumble that actually it was the promo that led to that. Yeah, right. So there you go. Yeah. Learning That's stuff right. every uh, every week here. <laughs> every episode. What about you? What recommendation do you have? I'm going to recommend uh, Devil in a Blue Dress. Oh, Denzel? Yeah. The, the, with Denzel Washington, directed by Carl Franklin. It's based on a, a bunch of um, the Easy Rawlins books uh, by Walter Mosley. I first saw this movie at a when it was at, I saw it theatrical well when I say I saw it <laughs> it was playing theatrically at and I saw it as part of a four movie marathon that they used to do at Hoyt's when I was in high school yeah I love those unfortunately even then even even at the at the young age of like a 16 or whatever I still didn't have I didn't have the stamina to stay up all night <laughs> in a cinema either but I would always fall asleep through the third movie and uh, Devil in a Blue Dress was the third film. There are other other great films. Uh, I think Ballistic X vs. Sever was a third film in one of those marathons. Uh, Cutthroat Island was definitely a third <laughs> movie in one of those marathons. Uh, you know, some great some great films in that in that uh, line. But um, I then, funnily enough, I ended up buying a like a book on CD from yeah. an op shop that was. Um, you know it was a, it's a later book this is i think the very first book in the walter mosley easy rolling series this this one's based on the first book and set in like 1948 the one i i listened to was much later but it was so good 
that I was like, man, I've got to go back and watch that Devil in a Blue Dress and just to <laughs> see what I missed. And boy, am I glad I did because this movie is excellent. Yeah, it's it's like a kind of a it's a it is a you know post World War Two noir uh, film set in Hollywood. Uh, all about it. This um, this uh, he he was Denzel Washington pl- plays Easy Rawlins. He's a, a a veteran who's who served with distinction in uh, World War Two. Yep. And now he works at a um, at an aeronautical um, company, like a doing um, engineer. He's an engineer there or something like that. And uh, but he gets into it with his boss and gets fired. And he's desperate to earn money. He's got a mortgage and he's um, you know starting to come good. So he and then um, this guy at a, at a bar that he hangs out at introduces him to um, to uh, Tom Sizemore. Mm-hmm. And Tom Sight, who recently passed away, I think as everyone mm-hmm. everyone knows, um, or recently unplugged, got unplugged. Uh, <laughs> technically, he was probably dead a long time before then. Uh, so for years, <laughs> mentally, uh, he just he wants him to find this woman, Daphne Daphne Moon, Monet, mm-hmm. uh, and he, you know, he thinks it's fine and. Yeah, when he find and then he finds her, and then all this all this stuff happens, and he kind of ends up being black, uh, you know, accused of things, and and of course, it's not a great time to be a black man in in America no. in the late forties. And it's just this, yeah, you know, um, it's a really great great film. Um, uh, Jennifer Beals is in it. Don Cheadle, Don Cheadle is probably the only person who, I, I, and I read, I actually read the book before I saw the movie. And he is not who I'd pictured the character of Mouse. It just, it, it did not compute, even watching him doing the stuff. And he's great in it, but it's just not the, the not the kind of person I pictured for that, for that part. But yep. still great. Uh, Maury Chaikin pops up. It's, uh, and there's a couple of, I think, a couple of people who I recognize from like ER and stuff like that. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Two things that come to mind is firstly, when I think of this movie, I think maybe it's because of the the theatrical or VHS poster. I always think of it as like an African-American Chinatown. Yeah. Like it kind of has that vibe going about it. It's very, or um, LA confidential. Yes. We were talking, which I also think is a bit of a Chinatown kind of thing, but yeah. we were talking to Jarrett before about how Keanu Reeves, you know, go back 30 years and he was doing all these big things and he's still doing big things. Same with Denzel Washington. I remember yeah. like 30 years ago watching him in um, what's the the David Attenborough one? I've, I've forgotten it. The apartheid movie that he did, Cry Freedom. Cry Freedom. Then Glory. I was going to say, remember when he was playing second fiddle to Matthew Broderick Glory. in Glory? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I Our do. times have changed. I know. And yet, you know, these are still on the top of their game, making headline movies. Incredible. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that way. You go back 30 years ago. The actors that we loved back then hadn't been going for that long. Like, you know, like something yeah. about this generation. Well, I mean, but I remember Denzel Washington from Heart Heartburn. Yeah, that's right. Was it Heartburn? Yeah, with uh, Bob yeah. Hoskins. Yeah, yeah. And I watched it because Bob it was a Bob Hoskins movie. Was that Jack Nicholson? No, 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 no. No, they're, they're, I think there is a movie called Heartburn. It's not it's it's the one where he Bob Hoskins um no I, Denzel yes, Washington yes, has yes. a heart attack. And it had a great movie and, poster. Yeah, he gets killed and his heart goes into yep. Bob Hoskins and he, right. then he, you know, helps him solve crimes. Yep. <laughs> it's like one of those, um, what do they call it? Magic realism or something like that. I think that's what those, that genre is called. 
Yeah. It's a bit like a vice versa. I know it's heart something or another. Yeah, heart donor, was it? Anyway. Uh, Here we go, back to the Google machine. Google machine. (laughs) Heart condition. Heart condition. I remember the VHS of the video It was called Black Ghost in, (laughs) uh, I think, Spain. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Anyway, we've pretty much reached the end of the show, Ben. With black, I love that black ghost is what ended it. <laughs> we better move on. Been a fun one. Um, I want to thank Sarah Spillane for taking time out to chat with us about her film. Make sure you check it out on Netflix, True Spirit. It goes without saying, thank you to Jarrett, Joe, Chad, James. Can't imagine doing this show without them. I could imagine doing it without them, but you know, I don't want to. <laughs> now is the part where you find us on socials. Um, so make sure that you have liked, followed, and subscribed to everything we do. All of the applicable... Uh, platforms and there are tabs and links to all of those on our website goodmoviemonday.com um i'll be back on wednesday night with chloe for another episode of wednesday up late so please do the same and and like all of those uh shows and podcasts and all that kind of stuff we have a group called wednesday up late that you can join ben group thank you (laughs) thank you my brother i hope you've had as much fun as i have (laughs) i certainly have and it's uh, great to be on the show. I think next week I'll be in New Zealand, so that's going to be an interesting, uh, be an interesting show. You'll be coming at us from across the pond, and um, I'll, yeah, you'll be a couple of hours ahead, so you've got to watch that delay on the, the Zoom. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're, we'll be coming to you from the future. I know. I mean, what, two hours between asking a question and getting an answer, so I'm going to have to do something with the edit. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll be able to tell you uh, what the tat- winning tats lotto numbers are. Fantastic! All right, here's a song. Do agree to spit it with me. Here's a song from True Spirit. Another one. It's called "I Made It" by Tones and I. Have a good week, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. Bye. When I was young, I tried to build a paper plane, but my head told me no. My parents sat me down and they tried to explain, but I had some time to grow. But I stayed up all night until I got a ride And in the morning I screamed, hey, look, I made it When I was young, I tried to build a paper plane But my head told me no But I knew I was special And when I didn't believe I'd remember the moments when my family's waiting for me And if I had a dollar Sail away and live my life at sea Cause I made it, yeah, damn, I made it Oh, I made it Cause I made it, yeah Cause I made it, yeah, damn, I made it Oh, I made it Sometimes I think about why we do what we do And the world tells us no These walls were made to break and I am breaking through At times it's hard to show And even though I'm scared I know that I'm aware That I'm exactly where I'm meant to be So when I think about why I do what I do It's everything to me And I knew I was special
Cause we made it